Hi guys, welcome to Conversations with Elizabeth Johnston. I'm Elizabeth and this is a new podcast that I hope you'll share with your friends where I inspire you to be salt and light and where we prepare the bride for the coming of her beautiful bridegroom. I'd like to ask you to go visit my website as well, elizabethjohnston.org. That's elizabethjohnston with a T-O-N dot org. And subscribe to get my emails. I want to stay connected with you. And there has recently been a major purge of voices and influencers from social media platforms, as you know. And so if I am purged, the only way that I can stay connected with you and give you really important updates, I promise I won't spam you, is if you subscribe to my email, which is at elizabethjohnston.org. So please go do that. Please share the podcast. And I'm excited about today's, um, today's episode. We are going to talk about maintaining your peace in the midst of a wilderness season in your life. A lot of you have been going through a pretty significant wilderness. Um, our entire nation has really been experiencing a wilderness. And it's very important that we know as God's people how to respond during a time like this, how to keep the anxiety at a low and the peace at a high. So I really thought it was fascinating. Um, There was a Barna study recently that was studying um, mental health trends. And obviously in 2020, mental health took a major hit. Um, And in this study, they found that the only group of people who avoided a downward health trend in 2020 were frequent church attendees. And I just thought that that was so cool that this study showed what we know to be true, that there is no peace without the Prince of Peace. Who'd have thought it, right? (laughs) So let's talk about what these frequent church attendees, which pretty much just means blood-bought, born-again, devil-stomping Christians, know that... Others do not know about peace in troubled times. What do they know that spared them the anxiety and torment that others were not able to escape? So first of all, I think it's important that we talk about how not every test and trial in wilderness is from the devil. Uh, We like to rebuke wildernesses and and desert times out of our lives, but um, the truth of it is that sometimes we're going through these things for a reason. Sometimes we're going through them because it's God's will. Sometimes we're suffering because of our sin and bad choices we made. Um, sometimes we need to learn something that we cannot learn when times are, are great. And then sometimes we're in a wilderness because promotion is coming. It's around the corner and you just can't get promotion without, um, without wilderness. It is pretty much an equation that we see in God's word. So if you are in a wilderness because of sin and bad choices, and we've all been there, um, don't make excuses. Just repent quickly. Repent quickly. Don't blame others. um, And get accountable to someone. You know, I've seen over and over again, people not want to get accountability in certain areas of their life. And really, a a lack of desire for accountability is, is just shows a lack of sincerity, uh, you know, a lack of commitment to wanting to actually uh, pursue holiness, pursue a consecrated life. And so do get people in your lives that will help you. I mean, I've 
just in the last couple of weeks have made appointments with multiple women who are seasoned and gifted women of God that I want to pour into my life. I want to always be growing and gleaning and mentored by people who uh, may be wiser than me or older than me or uh, more gifted than me in certain areas and that have qualities and traits about them that I admire. And, um, and I'm super excited about the journey that I'm going to take with these women. And we're never uh, at such a place where we don't need to learn from others. And so let's humble ourselves. Um, if you're in a wilderness because of bad choices you've made, there may be consequences, but repent quickly, receive the mercy and forgiveness of the Lord and get accountable to someone. Um, if we're in the wilderness because we need to learn some things that we can only learn through being in the wilderness, we just, we really need to look at the life of Joseph and respond as Joseph did in his wilderness time. Make the best of the situation. Make the best of your servitude. Make the best of your prison time. You know, that's what he did. Joseph was found faithful. Faithful when tempted, um, tempted to sin sexually with uh, a woman that had great power. Um, faithfulness when no one was taking notice and he was absolutely rotting away in jail. And everyone had forgotten about Joseph. And yet the God of heaven saw every act of faithfulness, every day of endurance that Joseph offered to him and catapulted him. God catapulted Joseph to second in command um, almost overnight. And just understand that your breakthrough, your healing, your answer, your promotion, it can come that fast overnight. What God needs is your heart. He needs your faithfulness. I love what Joseph said in Genesis 45, 8. He says, he's talking about his brothers who left him for dead, okay? Um, were s super cruel to him because they were jealous of him. And that will happen in your life, warning. Uh, people will be jealous of what you carry sometimes, and they will attempt to destroy you or to um, steal what you have if there's a spirit of Absalom on them. And so Joseph says about his brothers when he's finally reunited with his brothers, and, he, and Joseph is now, you know, gone from here to here, and they're down here, and he's up here as second in command. He says, so, you know, I just want you to know, basically, he says, it was not you that sent me here, but God. And God has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. And so Joseph's so focused on giving glory to God and he's so focused on what God is doing and how he's divinely orchestrated events in Joseph's life that he doesn't even acknowledge that his abusers su succeeded. He doesn't even give them the benefit of acknowledging that they succeeded and he gives all the glory to God for placing him in that place and allowing him to experience the pain that he experienced. And then the promotion came. C.S. Lewis says, hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Look, we're all ordinary. <laughs> we all come out of the womb, ordinary people. We all bend down and tie our shoes the same way, basically. Um, we're ordinary and 
pretty much ordinary people tend to remain ordinary without obstacles and hardship and challenging situations in their lives. And we don't want to remain ordinary. We want to do great things for God. And so we need to welcome hardship into our lives as C.S. Lewis reminds us and allow the hardships to make us extraordinary. Let's look at Moses. Moses is probably like the most inspiring person in God's word to me in a lot of ways. And remember Moses was in Pharaoh's court. He was taken in uh, very humble beginnings, basically fleeing for his life as a baby in a basket, but taken in and accepted as you know one of Pharaoh's. And here he is in the courts of Pharaoh. He ends up fleeing because he killed someone. And then he's in the desert and he's like a lowly shepherd or whatever in the, in the desert and went from here to down here <laughs> overnight. And then after he's down here though, he ends up being the deliverer of God's people, the apple of God's eye, the deliverer. So what was that training ground in between there for Moses? Um, did he go to seminary? Did he go to business school, leadership courses, you know, how to uh, purchase a course on how to get a, over a million followers in less than a year? Um, you know, no, he didn't do any of that. He didn't brand himself properly, whatever all the things are that people tell you to do to make it, okay, to hustle and make it. All he did was be faithful to God in a wilderness season and listen to God's voice. He suffered hardship. He suffered loss of his important royal status. And as far as we can see, he just did butt kicking work in the wilderness. And boom, <laughs> he's faithful to God through loss and he encounters God. He hears the voice of the Lord. Where was the voice of the Lord? In the wilderness. <laughs> he hears that voice um, and he obeys. And the wildest miracles that history records are performed by the faith of Moses and the hands of Moses. Wow. Plagues, cloud by a day, fire by night, Red Sea, water from a rock, manna from heaven. Wow. <laughs> and one thing, too, that I love, if you um, turn to Exodus... Chapter 11, where am I? It says, um, the children of Israel had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. So this is during the Exodus. So the children of Israel are leaving Egypt. Egypt. They're fleeing Egypt. And, you know, Pharaoh's really upset about this. Um, the plagues have have happened and Pharaoh is worried about all the people he's leaving and here they go, they're leaving. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the kind of favor that Moses walks in, okay? He's nothing but the biggest troublemaker they've ever encountered, right? They've just gone through all the plagues. He's made life absolutely miserable for them. And so he's gotta be the most hated person in Egypt, Moses. And listen to this. It says in verse 3, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. 
God made Moses great in the sight of the people. Look at the favor of God. Look at the victory. Look at the deliverance. Look at the, look at the power in the eyes of the people. Look at the loot. Amazing favor if we will just be faithful through the wilderness. What gave Moses that power? Was it his lineage? Nope. Didn't have that. He was really supposed to be in Pharaoh's family. It wasn't money. It wasn't fame. It was faithfulness to God through the wilderness. God gives men and women power. I want you to understand this, that God gives men and women power. He raises up one leader and he throws another leader down. That's why we got to be very careful right now. As it appears, one leader is being raised up. We got to be careful because the hand of God could be in this. Okay, to bring the kind of uh, potentially turbulent times to our nation that will cause the church to respond properly, the church to repent, and that would bring revival. Revival doesn't just happen in good times, guys. Revival actually normally happens in times of, of crisis and great need. And so don't let yourself think that just because we might be entering turbulent times that, that the opportunity for revival is over. Nothing could be further from the truth. Ask Chinese Christians about that. So we want the Lord to use us like Moses. We want to be found faithful in the hard seasons. Can God count on you to be found faithful when things aren't going your way? Or are you throwing a massive adult temper tantrum right now that things are not going your way? It's easy to feel defeated when things aren't going our way. But never forget that suffering is a launching pad. It's a ladder. Also, I want to mention that it's very important that we not fight the training that we're undergoing, that we not fight wilderness training. There's a sense in which you need to surrender to the wilderness in which God has you in. You need to rest in that wilderness. Do you think that you know, a, a boxer wants the pain and suffering and self-denial that comes with training for his next boxing uh, competition. Everybody wants to be the boxer when he's holding up the champion belt. <laughs> but nobody wants to be the boxer with the broken noses and the ice baths and the sauna sweats and the intense workouts that they endure. Very few will pay the price ultimately for that belt and that kind of of, um, of favor and success. And if we are willing to pay the price, there are great things around the corner for us. You know, everybody wants to be Moses part in the Red Sea. Um, but nobody wants to be Moses just moments before when half a million, 10 million people are sitting there staring at him when there's no path forward and they're blocked by the sea and they're all looking to Moses for an answer. And he's got like the weight of the world on his shoulders. Nobody wants to be Moses then. Nobody wants to be Moses 40 days in the, in the wilderness, up on a mountain, you know, starving, fasting, and, you know, dealing with the anger of God and the wrath of God on the children of Israel. <laughs> Very few will pay the price. I want to be one of the few that will pay the price to wear the mantle that parts Red Seas and conquers nations. We have that power available to us, but there's a price to pay. Now that doesn't mean that God loves you any more if you pay the price or loves you any less if you don't pay that price. Uh, it's just a question of how badly do you want to be used mightily of God? 
That's the question. I love a story that I heard um, Michael Koulianis tell. He is the pastor of Jesus Image. And he tells this story. He used to be a professional golfer. He was really good and very successful. And he made money doing it. And then he went into full-time ministry. I hope I'm getting the story correctly. I'm just trying to remember it. And he found himself a bit troubled by the lack of power of God that he was experiencing in his, in his ministry. And he wanted... Um, he was just expecting God to do great things and things weren't happening the way he, he, you know, expected. And he was, you know, seeking the Lord about it. And he was golfing just a little bit on the side. And I think it was just bringing in a little bit of, of money, which is always nice when you're in the ministry because you normally don't make money doing ministry. And so he um, said that, that he was seeking the Lord. Like, you know, why am I, why are we not seeing miracles and the kind of power that you promised us that, you know, we, we could see, you know, Jesus said greater works will you do. Um, and the Lord, if I'm remembering correctly, said to Michael, will you give me your golf game? Will you give me your golf game? And I mean, this was huge. This was huge for Michael. Like, like in my family, we're musicians and a lot of our kids play instruments and sing, sing. And I could just imagine if the Lord said, will you give me, you know, your instrument? <laughs> I mean, the golfing was a huge deal to him. It was a major part of his history in his life. And especially when you're successful at it. I can just imagine what a question that was. Michael laid it down. He laid it down at the feet of Jesus and gave it to Jesus. Did God love Michael anymore because he did that? No, please do not misunderstand me. This is not about winning God's love through works. This is about making sacrifices that end up helping you carry a mantle that you could not have carried without that sacrifice. And Michael said immediately, all kinds of miraculous things started breaking out in his life, in his ministry because of what he gave to God. And so here we are at the beginning of a new year. Can we challenge ourselves? Lord, is there anything you want to give me to give up? Is, is there anything you want me to give up for you? You know, I'm willing to do anything for you. Let's ask ourselves that question. We really want to pay any price and we want to be um, just devoted lovers of Jesus that will pay any price to be used of him. So back to Moses and the Red Sea um, and the challenge that Moses and the children of Israel had before them there. You know, a lot of times we just want God to fix situations that, that we're in, okay? You name the situation. We want God to fix it. And we, we um, are hoping that we can avoid this being a long and drawn out journey. But you cannot pole vault the Red Sea. You have to go through the Red Sea and you have to learn what God wants to teach you while you're going through the Red Sea by faith. I mean, the Holy Spirit is with you. He's, he's holding your hand as you're walking through it. You're not alone. You're not abandoned, but you've got to walk through it. Um, and I, at the beginning of 2020, if you had told me, what the year was going to look like and what we were going to go through in our personal lives. Mm -mm. Like just 
take me Jesus. I, I could not. I mean, thankfully, God doesn't give us that information. We literally cannot handle knowing sometimes what we're going to go through. And that's his mercy. And then he gives you grace each day to go through every part of the journey. And now I wouldn't change the journey for a second. Like God has squeezed so much and done so much and um, perfected so much and fixed so many things. He's done so much, so perfectly, so much better than I could have done. Um, but I ha- I've had to walk through the Red Sea. And God has great things in store for you in the promised land on the other side of the Red Sea. And he's with you all the way through it. And you have to walk through it in faith, believing that the waters are not going to come crashing in on you, that you're not going to die, that you're going to live and declare the wondrous works of God. Just as I'm here in 2021, living and declaring the glorious works of God right now and sharing from things that we have learned in the process of last year. Joseph had to suffer through prison. He had to be faithful and diligently seek the Lord and hear his voice. And he couldn't talk his way out of prison. He tried. Remember, he told the guy not to forget about him and the guy did. (laughs) That didn't work. He couldn't pretty boy his way out of prison. He didn't have any money to bribe his way out of prison. He had to hear the voice of God. And basically interpret God's dreams and that got him out of prison. You can't run around what God needs you to walk through. You you can't run around the cross. You have to hang on it. Sometimes humiliated, sometimes shamed and scorned and naked and wounded, but he is our example. And is he not the most beautiful example of how to walk through suffering? Oh, so beautiful. Always pull out the scripture when you're going through something really hard and read about Jesus on the cross and healing and comfort and strength will wash over you. That cross ultimately led to a crown in Jesus's life and the cross you're bearing, God wants to produce in that a resurrection in your life as well. How did Jesus respond to the suffering he endured? Think of the false accusations. Think of the people closest to him who betrayed him. No form of betrayal you have ever experienced or that I have ever experienced is any worse than what Jesus himself endured. Okay? How did he respond? That is the grace that he will give us to respond. He did not respond with self-pity. How many of you struggle with self-pity? Like self-pity is hard and it is an addictive drug and the devil will tell you that self-pity will help you and it will destroy your life. In Luke 23, Jesus says, do not weep for me. Don't feel sorry for me. Weep for yourselves. (laughs) He doesn't respond, feel sorry for me. And I know that a lot of times, you know, we want to talk about it a lot and get a lot of people to feel sorry for us and... And I have to be careful about that. I can fall into that really easily. And it's okay if only Jesus knows. Like letting him carry your burden only gives you more power. Not having a lot of people to carry it for for you only gives you more favor and power with God. But the devil wants you to talk about it and make a big deal and and cause a scene and and all of this stuff, you know, and get attention. And, And we need to respond as Jesus did. Don't weep for me. You weep for the wicked and weep for the people that are under God's judgment. And you really need 
to get like a spiritual Jillian Michaels in your life. <laughs> you know, Jillian Michaels, the workout lady who used to be the coach on Biggest Loser. You need a spiritual Jillian Michaels in your life. She's always screaming at everybody and, get, you know, keeping everybody in check and getting them to eat the right foods and, and, uh, and do the right exercises. And, you know, I've been so blessed as I've walked through this last year to have people in my life who will hold my hand and walk with me, but not always tell me what I want to hear. They will call me higher, call me higher. Um, here's a text from one person in my life. Uh, when I was having a terrible, terrible day and I just wanted it all to end and I didn't think I could take it anymore. I was so tired from the struggle and the trials and what certain people were doing. And she says to me, Elizabeth, <laughs> I say this to you in the love of Christ and hope you receive it in the spirit of truth. You have to put a stake in the ground and say, it's me, my children, and the Lord. And that's it. Every morning when you wake up, you need to decide if you're going to live in the flesh or in the spirit. And I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, I'm feeling flesh right now. Like, how dare you say live in the flesh? Do you know what I'm going through? <laughs> That's what I want to say. She says, it's a choice. Every single day, she texts me, no self-pity. Are you here because God put you here for this time to do what his plan is? King David, did she's still texting me. King David did not get mad at Goliath for what he was saying about him. He wanted to take Goliath out because he was defying God. Have you counted the cost of the cross? I'm sitting there thinking, of course I've counted the cost. Do you have any idea what I'm going through? Like I, my flesh wants to rise up that way. When she asked me this, she said, you've got to be strong for your children. They need to see a mom who can weather the storm because she trusts God. Stability for them at this time is very important. And so I responded to her, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And, you know, I went, fell on my knees and went to prayer and went to the Lord and told my flesh and the devil to take a hike, that that was the spiritual Jillian Michaels moment that I needed in my life. And you know what? I got set free that day. I seriously got set free that day from just kind of a nagging torment of self-pity, um, of wanting other people to recognize what I was going through and understand. And I got really delivered in being okay with only God understanding. It's very addictive and it's very uh, destructive. So definitely work to keep all self-pity out of your life. Jesus also did not respond with anger. It says in Luke 23, Father, Jesus said, Father, forgive them as he's got spikes through his hands and his feet. Father, forgive them. That was Jesus' response. It's not the person. It's really just what they're operating in. And that helps to take some anger away and some pressure off. He didn't respond with self-absorption. I want you to look at Luke 23, 43. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, while he's hanging on a cross, he starts ministering to the guy next to him on a cross who's crying out for salvation. He says, assuredly, I say to you, you will be with me today in paradise. So here he is hanging on a cross, witnessing to someone and encouraging people to, and helping them endure their cross. He helped others in his time of crisis. Are you helping others in your time of crisis or are you just so self-absorbed in what you're going through that you haven't even thought about the people around you? Guys, that's super easy to get in. 
especially depending on the level of, of trauma you're going through. Um, I remember a time about 16 years ago where I learned something that was a major betrayal and it was very traumatic for me. I mean, it was on a PTSD type of level for me personally. And for a full year, uh, I really was in a very, very rough place of um, just trauma and kind of PTSD and constant torment in my mind because of what had happened. And I'll never forget how I basically picked myself up out of just a puddle of depression and suffering and began to organize. Um, this is this is 16 years ago, y'all. This is way, 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 way. Nobody knew me. I was not Elizabeth Johnson. I had no platform or anything. But as a mommy who was homeschooling five children, um, I picked up and started organizing something that was a huge, massive effort that took me, would take me three months to organize. And it was a fundraiser for a local crisis pregnancy center. And it was very successful. And we raised money for the crisis pregnancy center. But what people didn't know <laughs> was that I was basically surviving like I was trying to stay alive. And I was taking the suffering that I was enduring and I was saying, devil, you are not going to have my thoughts all day, every day. You are not going to consume my life. I'm going to begin to press forward and pursue helping others, doing something outside of myself because all day my mind was just consumed and tormented with what I was going through and I had to shake it and I had to take a step forward and do something to end it and put a nail in the coffin. And I did by the grace of God. And, you know, we planned and organized an amazing successful event and it ended up being an annual thing for like six or seven years that I did this big event and it ended up being a major part of my history and something that my children will never forget that we all did together as a family. And it, it was wonderful. And we blessed that pregnancy center ultimately with, I think, over $35,000 over the course of those, those events. And so I just want to say, let's be like Jesus. Let's not be self-absorbed. Even when we're going through something, that doesn't mean that there's an excuse for us to constantly stay fixed inside of ourselves and what we're going through. Reach out. And find healing and deliverance and strength through helping other people. And the last thing I want to mention about how Jesus responds to suffering, he relinquishes control. We talked about this in another podcast episode, so I'm not going to focus on it, but I just want to bring up that he relinquishes control and he trusts the Father. Look at Luke 23, 46. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I mean, what a powerful release that must have been, you know, for Jesus to say, Father, into your hands, I commit this incredibly traumatic situation I'm enduring right now. I mean, it almost, you can't put words to what Jesus endured. You put words to what we've endured. You, you can't put words to what Jesus endured for us. I love him so much. How are you doing responding to suffering and wilderness? Um, it's one thing to, you know, to 
preach or to have a platform or to be a leader or whatever, but how are you doing when your friends are slandering you? How are you doing with your coworker? Are you showing them the love of Jesus? This is consecration. This is holiness. Okay. Um, you know, your hair or your makeup or your clothes being a certain way is not holiness necessarily. This is holiness. How are you responding in times of suffering? Do you know how to do suffering? This is what matters much more to the Lord. Lord, help us embrace these wildernesses, embrace these deserts, embrace the, the ebb and flow, the up and down of life where we go through seasons where it's easy and then and then we go through really hard things. And I remember in 2019, things were so amazing in my life. And like things were up, 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 up in just what the Lord was doing um, and the kind of favor I was experiencing in my life that I do remember multiple times thinking, this is almost too good. Like some suffering is going to have to come at some point here around the corner. I remember thinking that and boy, I had no idea what we were all about to go through. I can look back on all the hurts, all the betrayal and everything that we've been through, you know, deaths and and whatnot in, in the family. And I can just thank God for getting the pride out and for what he taught us. Can you do that? Can you look back and just say, you know, whether it's deaths of family members, whatever, uh, being abandoned or, or whatever, job loss and, and losing your house, bankruptcy. Can you look back on this and thank God for what he taught you through all of it? Fighting it, resisting it, complaining about it, operating in self-pity, wanting everybody else to see what you've gone through. None of those things are going to minister to you. They're not going to help you and they're not going to get you out of the wilderness. You know, I've had, um, a lot of home births. I birthed my children at home and, um, you know, at home you can't have an epidural. You, you know, you really feel these contractions. <laughs> and so it's, it's a hard thing to go through, uh, but it's a beautiful thing to go through. And it's very important that you not resist the contractions if you resist the contractions, you can actually stall your labor. I had moments where I was so scared of the baby coming and what I was going to feel when the baby came through that I could literally just with my mind stop my labor and cause something that was full force in motion to stop because of what I was thinking. Stop in its track for hours and stall the labor. Do you want to give birth to what God wants to do through you? then you cannot fight the contractions you're experiencing right now. The contractions are what's bringing, bringing your body over the head of that baby. That's how the baby gets out. And when you fight it and you tighten and you try to control the situation and prevent what's about to happen from happening, you can actually stall the labor. And when I look back on my life, I wonder how many things God wanted to do that he couldn't do yet, that I didn't have in my life, that I was the miracles I wasn't experiencing, the deliverance I might not have been experiencing because I was controlling everything. I was keeping things under control. And when I took my hands off the steering wheel, man, that's when things got wild. <laughs> that's when things got wild and good. And yeah, the poop hits a fan, 
but the Red Sea parts and you walk into your promised land. And so it's hard to go through, but like, it's just, it's just like this crazy tandem jump with Jesus where he's right there with you and you're jumping and you have no control over the situation. You're completely out of control. And yet it is so the best place to be. The cross is lonely. The wilderness is lonely. We want people to understand what we're going through, but did they understand Jesus? Did they sympathize with Jesus or understand what he was going through? Remember the deepest crosses that you will bear end up leading to your greatest promotions. I mean, obviously the greatest promotion we've ever seen um, in history is Jesus's promotion of from mocked and ridiculed scorned and rejected bloody mess with crown of thorns and blood dripping down his body. No one who is being mocked as being some king while he's hanging on a cross and dying, moving him from there to resurrected king (laughs) who's coming back on a white horse to take dominion over everything. The greatest promotion we've ever seen, but In order to have a promotion that great, ooh, cross has got to be pretty intense. (laughs) And so let that encourage you. Um, I'll never forget many years ago when I was going through something and I was talking to a counselor on the phone and this person says to me, Elizabeth, the Lord must really love you to let you go through this. He's doing something really special to allow you to go through this. It was like, he just flipped my suffering on its head. (laughs) How did he do that? (laughs) He just took something that I wanted to be upset about and get pity for. And he flipped it on his head and he said, you must be special. You must be anointed and called of God. He has great things for you because at your young age, he's allowing you to go through this already. And so let that be our, our mindset. And I want to end with first Peter Sorry, I didn't have it turned to already. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18, it says, let's see, maybe, okay. It says servants, this is when people are slaves and they're becoming Christians. And so what do they do? They're servants, they're slaves. What do they do now that they're, they're Christians? And he says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it when you're beaten for your faults and you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us his example that you should follow in his steps who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth, but who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Are people lying about you? Are they hurting you? Have you committed yourself to the judge who judges righteously? I promise you, 
if there's anything I can say with confidence after going through some things this last year, I promise you that the one who judges righteously can cook up a solution for you that will blow your mind. It will be so much better than what you could have done on your own. And so can you relinquish control and submit to his wilderness? Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for what you did in 2020 and what you're going to do in 2021. We thank you for the wildernesses that we have experienced. We thank you for trials. We give thanks. We don't fret over them, but we thank you for them, and we thank you for what you're teaching us through them. And I just pray a grace over all those listening right now that they would remain innocent of evil through whatever they're going through. In the name of Jesus, I pray for a special grace for them to endure it like you did, Jesus. I pray you'd give them the strength to not revile those who are reviling them, that we would be lovers of you, that we would be lovers of people, that we would walk in forgiveness and mercy and grace toward those who do not know what they're doing. I just want to take authority over a spirit of self-pity and pray that off of everyone listening right now in the name of Jesus. I just pray, God, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this self-pity, this desire to be seen, to be noticed, to be heard, to be pitied. I just pray that you will deliver us from self-pity and that we would be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that we would entrust ourselves to the faithful judge who will right everything in due time. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for being so faithful through every generation, through every century through every decade of our lives for being so faithful we can look back and say you are such a faithful God and just how you orchestrated that thing 10 years ago 15 years ago in our lives you turned what the enemy meant for evil and you turned it for good we say yes and amen to your process right now we don't fight the contractions in the wilderness we submit to them and we open ourselves up. We open ourselves to the process that you have for us. Even if it's temporarily painful, we allow you to do your work in us and bring forth and birth what you have for us next. I pray your blessing and protection and the blood of Jesus, our Passover lamb, over every single person listening, oh God, in the name of Jesus. We love you. You're everything to us. We give you our everything, every part of us, every corner, every crack and nook and cranny and crevice of our hearts. Oh God, we don't hold anything back from you. We give it to you and ask you to work your perfect will in our lives. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you all. Pray you are blessed. Please share this episode with others so that they can be blessed too. God bless.